Episode 178 of Smart Enough to Know Better. <laughs> We're a pod- podcast of soul, sorry. Oh, yeah, we go. We're- <laughs> I'm feeling real cash about today. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We're a podcast of science. Comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Greg Wow. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, feed me Seymour. And in the morning, I walk on four legs. At lunchtime, I walk on two legs. In the evening, I walk on three legs. But when do I need my power energy drink? Is the Sphinx doing product placement now? (laughs) And also, I get to the pointy end of pyramid power. And is it gold, gold, gold for Australia? But before we get to any of those esoteric concepts... Gregoire, what happened to you this week in science? Ah, uh, oh, I had an exciting thing in science this week. I got my second vaccination for the plague. So now I'm all vaccinated up. Which plague's this, sorry? It's <laughs> you might look just just the fact that you've been less outside than you normally are, then that's that, that plague. That plague. The plague. I haven't, I haven't read anything about this. Oh, you've missed the plague, have you? That's, that's okay. pretty good. So I'm very excited by that. Those who don't know, Australia has been a little bit behind. From a first world nation perspective, we're pretty behind on getting vaccinated. But I just want to point out, not that, I don't want to go into the politics of it all, who cares? I'm more interested in the logistics of it. I I was super impressed when I went and got my vaccination. It was in a big showground and there was like big tents. It was like an army of people working on this. And I got to wait in the line for a bit and they just, they took my invitation and I came in, they said, they scanned me in and then they waited a bit more and then they injected me with a nice doctor or nurse and then they got me out. It was really, really quick and easy. It was just amazing. I realized how much money it must cost. It must cost billions of dollars to get all this. And it's free in, in, in Australia. It's free. It's just whacked into your arm. I just fascinated. I was just, it's, and we don't seem to talk about that of, of the, the vaccine itself is amazing, but the logistics behind getting it into everyone's arm as quickly as possible is just mind-blowing. It's not like it's a, a pin that you just stick on your shirt either. Like, this is a thing that needs a special situation to, yeah. be, to be moved around with. And, then, and they, have to, they have to keep it cold. They have to keep, and then once they open a bottle, they've got to use it all. They can't just, you know, stopper it back up and put it, you know, use it for the next day. It's, it's, like a, it's like a bottle of wine. If you don't finish it the first night, you've... Like, I mean, it's basically wasted, so you should definitely polish that off. <laughs> you have a problem, Dan. It's, you, have, you have a definite problem. <laughs> People do stop a wine. You can stop a wine. It, is, it, it can happen. Really? I don't, <laughs> I've, never, I've never thought to look that up. <laughs> I just wanted to point out here that in our country at the moment, it's about 14 million vaccination doses have been given out, and that's like 90, roughly 90,000 a day around the country. 90,000 a day. When people talk about military exercises or this is like the, a moonshot, I think when we're forgetting how much of a... Thank goodness we live in a society that can 
put things together, large-scale infrastructure like this. And if you happen to live in Australia, it's all free. So And just tracking that stuff too. Like yeah. just having the – someone had to make a database that kept oh. track of all the people who wanted the shot and, mm. and the, all the people who had turned up and all the people who had missed their appointment and all the people who had just walked in. Like you've got to be able to track – 25 million people. If yeah. you put a database together with 25 million entries, that takes a bit of, like, that That takes stuffing around with. Yeah, that's ex- yeah, exactly right. And I know there's lots of problems with that. People say, how are we going to get our certificates? And, you know, going online isn't, it doesn't suit everyone. Not everyone has access to the internet. Not everyone wants to go onto government sites. But beyond that, I mean, there's always, there's always flaws and things and that need to be fixed. But in general, I'm impressed with the logistics of this, of the the sheer getting injections into arms. So well done, society. Uh, Well done. People say, why do I pay my taxes? Well, this is why we pay our taxes, so that we can all hopefully one day get back to some semblance of normalcy in this strange world we find ourselves in. My wife and I had a, a doctor actually drive to the house in a big limousine, or was driven to the house, and came out with like the with the injection on a little on a, on a red pillow. <laughs> but I, it was not the right colour of limousine. I was so uh, angry. Right. I, I blame the liberals. <laughs> so what are you being up to in science, Dan? Uh, you know what? I could tell you about my week, but I'm going to wait until the end of the podcast. Okay, all right. I don't want to bring the tone down. The Olympics, every four years... Well, every two years, technically, because you have the summer and the winter Olympics. But, you know. The winter Olympics? Who watches that? <laughs> who watches? Who, no, do any Australians go to that? I, I don't know. But they must. The Olympics, it happens roughly every four years. And it was a big thing in Tokyo. It's just finished. I think the Americans won the most medals. And the Chinese came second with the most medals, second most medals. That must, that's going to cause some issues. I'm absolutely positive. And, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Everyone loves the Olympics. Not everyone. I, I, I didn't watch any of it. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking in circles here. But anyway, the Olympics is a thing and everyone loves it. And, and they, Well, and obviously these... not everyone loves it because no one on the podcast engaged with it at all. At all. I didn't even watch the opening <laughs> well, it ceremony. On. Yeah, it's like, and next one's in Paris. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure the Frog Princess will be very excited. I mean, th- three from now, it's going to be here. It's, it's going to be in Sorry. Brisbane. That's right. 2032, it's going to be in, in Brisbane. How exciting. The Frog Princess was like, how... Un- earth does that happen like i understand tokyo i understand paris <laughs> how on earth does anyone go yeah let's put an olympics on in brisbane that's not fair that's that's what olympics are for though olympics are to put country put cities on maps it's not really meant to be for big cities it's also meant to be for cities that want to go we have arrived and brisbane arrived a long time that. ago i oh, don't, you don't think, think it's that? that you know you know why i think brisbane was finally on the world stage to be why put into the olympics because mm-hmm. of bluey <laughs> the cartoon Bluey, the kids' yes, cartoon Bluey yes, is right. set in Brisbane, and sure. suddenly all these people are like, Brisbane sounds nice. <laughs> they got that nice dog. They got that nice dog. Bluey uh, is definitely going to be in the opening ceremony. But, for... but uh, will it, though? I mean, you're talking 12 years away. Is it? Will it be a thing in 12 years? Oh, it'll be. A, people will have tattoos. Oh, so you think there'll be a dog? So basically people who grew up with Bluey will have started having babies who watch Bluey at that yeah, point. Yeah. I'm like assuming in, 13-year-olds have babies at this point. The, well, <laughs> all I'm saying is that if there was an Olympic ceremony, if there's an Olympics in uh, Wellington, yes, 
Yeah. Auckland? In New, Auckland? New Zealand. Auckland. Well, look, they're all the same city. Sorry, New Zealand. I'm sorry. They, they would de- definitely the Foot Rock Flats dog would still be in there. Yes. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. not a thing. No, Bluey that's... is 100% going to be in the opening ceremony. In fact, they it may, Bluey will probably light the flame. <laughs> I saw a thing where they were talking about the Commonwealth Games where they had the big Matilda, like the two-story fiberglass kangaroo that came down and winked at everyone for the the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane back in the 80s, he 1982. Says. There you go. And then the people are honestly saying, hey, maybe we should bring that back for 50 years. I'm like, let's, let's not. Let's do something new and not quite as naff as having a big fibro <sighs> kangaroo. It was great for back then. Look, don't get me wrong. It was a very, it was very 80s is what I'm trying to say. Now it got was people, very 80s. Like the Tokyo had like drones that could fly up and make Olympic rings out of lights and that sort of stuff. We need kind of cool Did stuff. I, 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 saw, I, read a, I read an article about it. <laughs> anyway, the point is, Dan, that the Olympics are a lie. Oh, I, I, I missed the point, obviously. Sudden, sudden turn. Sudden, yeah. there it is. There's the twist. We've had the platform. Boom, twist. Here we go. I'm calling out the Olympics because what do you what do you strive for in the Olympics now? What are you what are you what are you competing for? Uh, competing for uh, the recognition of the globe. The recognition of the globe. Stand and- on that great big thing. Stand above the big one, and yes, have some person put a great big lump of gold around your ma- uh, around your neck. That's exactly right. You get a medal, Dan, and I'm gonna I'm calling out. The Olympic Committee. I'm. It's 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 smart enough to better versus the IOC. Oh so. shit, dog! We are <laughs> we are outgunned. <laughs> no, no, we can do it. We can do this. We can do this. Because I'm calling them out on their on their medals, Dan. And their medals are a lie, total lie. Well, so gold medal for first, silver for second, bronze for third. Absolutely, all lies, total lies, fabrications. It's all lies. I'm I am disgusted and I am hurt and it's destroyed my love. Of the Olympics, Dan, my my well known <laughs> love of the Olympics. Your sporting spirit has it's, been tethered. It, it's been. I've just. I I have been deflated like a balloon. Let me tell you. What do you think? I'm, I'm going to put it to you, Dan Beeson. What do you think the bronze medal? Chocolate. The, look, it's chocolate. With I bronze would, wrapping. I would absolutely be happy with that. You know, I'd be all, I'd be fine. It'd be Olympics for the everyman would be <laughs> chocolate. What do you think the bronze medal is made out of? Bronze. Thank you. That was the answer. That's the obvious answer. And no, Dan, no, it's not bronze. It's not you know bronze. You know what it's, you know what it's made out like of? like a miracle metal. It is. But you bronze. Get, you, you get copper and you get tin. Tin, and you put them together, you melt yes. them together, you get this amazing miracle metal called bronze. All my breastplates are made out of bronze. <laughs> they made a whole age out of it. It was a whole thing. Like, it was like Stone Age people just in awe, in absolute awe. Like, oh, my goodness, he's, he's not hitting me with a rock. He's hitting me with this, this lovely metal. They were, they, were, they were literally in awe. Better than just rocks. That's okay, very good. Ore. <laughs> it's been smelted and everything. But it's not. So this it's not so he said bronze is an alloy of copper and tin, but the bronze metals are an alloy of copper and zinc. And do you know what that makes, Dan? Do you know what we call that little that little uh, alloy? Bronze two? No no brass, Dan. Brass. That brass. is brass. So oh, that's even better. So we're giving people oh, I'd brass, love a brass medal. 
We, 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 well, that's the, the, we, the, the, it's got it's got that oligarchic effect. Oh, such a good idea during a global pandemic. Your bronze medal would never get COVID on it. Like the brass would break down the the the. the the, the stuff. Oh, does the, it? The, okay. Well, there you, there you go. Oh, then I stand. Look, okay. Well, I'm taking back that my, my anger. Also, brass is quite hard. The alloy, it's quite a hard metal. It's actually the hardest of all three metals. So it's very hard. Oh, it's harder yeah. to well, damage. Gold is soft. You can scratch it. Well, let's, let's, let's get there, Dan. Let's get there. So the second one, what do you win at second if you come second? Silver. Silver. You get silver. So what do you think a silver medal is made out of? Bronze. No, it's it's actually silver. It's 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 five hundred fifty grams of pure silver. Wow, they don't even do stainless steel. No, no, it's 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 yeah silver. There you uh, go. Yeah, oh, well, that's all right. So I will say actually now I, 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 I can already hear the people tapping away. It's actually ninety two five percent pure silver and seven point five percent copper because that's sterling silver. So yeah, there still you, go. you 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 form that you fashion that into a bullet and put it in a werewolf chest. That guy's going down. That's true. That's true. That's the metal you want. Well, you use it like a discus. That's half a kilogram of, of werewolf killing power at that point. It's just silver bullets. You can't have a discus. You need a bullet, right? No, it's the fact you're putting silver into a creature. But if you if you you can't took... stab a werewolf with a no. silver tipped staff and have kill you, the you, werewolf. I know you don't, you, you don't watch the Olympics, but if you had a discus thrower, it's half a kilogram. If you and then whip that into a werewolf's face, it would crush their bones. Like oh, like, oh in my mouth, and be like oh, be, oh you, to kill a werewolf, mm. you have to shoot it in the heart with a silver bullet. I think you'll find it's the silver. The silver hurts them. Not this is the whole crypto zoo. We need to be at this crypto zoo. But no, it's it's the silver hurts them, and by by getting the bullet the bullet inside them, it makes internal damage. We're getting off track here. We're getting off track. Yeah, sorry. Gold. All right. Gold. Yes. And here's the big lie, Dan. Yeah. Big lie. Yep. The gold medal at Tokyo weighs five hundred and fifty six grams. What do you think the gold medal is actually made of? Is it an amalgam? Of sterling silver and brass, it is. You're that, would, that would help it's, on original materials. Like they wouldn't have to be you going out for stuff. It's pure silver ah. with six grams of gold plating. So it's five hundred fifty grams. It's a silver medal with a gold wrapper around it. Why, just, why do they? That, that, why do they do that? Because the market price of gold is eighty gram, eighty dollars per gram, and it's mm-hmm. one dollar per gram for silver. Yeah, but they're the winners. Yes. Don't they? Don't they get a thing that they that they they get to own? And well, yes, but each medal, that's each gold the prize. Medal, it's each the medal. fucking prize, Gregoire, <laughs> and they're skimping them on the. Oh, well, what's the point of even trying if it's going to be the same base value as the next one down? Well, it's, well, it's not though. No, 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 it's, it's not. Getting covered this, in fucking virus. This, no, 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 no. It's it doesn't. De- it doesn't no. disinfect itself. And, and, does and, it? and, like and it's very one. and it's very very deformable. Silver and gold, very deformable. No, it's interesting because you say it's not worth the gold medal is worth about a thousand dollars. A thousand US dollars, and that's because it's made of four hundred and eighty dollars worth of gold. That's what the six grams are, and five hundred fifty dollars worth of silver. So the silver medal is only worth five hundred and fifty dollars. So it's about half the price, but it could be worth a lot more. That's all I'm saying. So IOC, I think you need to have a good, long, hard look at yourself. I'm, I'm disgusted, and I'm not going to watch the Olympics <laughs> anymore. But. I mean, there would be other metals that you could make these metals out of. Yeah, sure. Like, you could make them much more expensive. Oh, absolutely. If you made it out of, like, tungsten or something like that, good lord, or carbon fibre, 
Oh, radium inkjet printer ink. Just freeze it solid and keep yeah. it in a little thermos. That would be insanely expensive. Maybe then, maybe then I'd start to learn how to do amateur athletics. <laughs> You've been doing some gardening, Gregoire. I do. I like a bit of gardening. I don't buy green leafy vegetables anymore. I just take them directly from my veranda garden. Spinach and lettuce and my radish crops coming in. It's all This is on a space that's probably one and a half metres by three metres. You're eating your produce? Oh, absolutely, yes. So, yeah. so you're, you're, you're basically eating the plant babies? Oh, absolutely. Luckily, they don't have any way to get revenge. Sasquatch or Bigfoot, who is who? It's all going down at the Crypto Zoo. That's, that sounds ominous. Ominous. That was an ominous thing you just said before the uh, theme song, Dan. I'm, I'm concerned. My friend Tim suggested that we take a look at man-eating plants. Uh Uh-oh. Now, as as much a part of the Saturday cereals as quicksand and reusable rockets that can land on their end, of course, we now know that you can't drown in quicksand and rockets like that are obviously impossible. But... No, they're not. What are you talking about? SpaceX well, does it all the time. A, a rocket that can land on its end? Yes. That's crazy. Even if I that... saw it, I wouldn't believe it. It's going to the moon, Dad. What are you talking about? Okay, there is <laughs> a famous man-eating plant that mm. you have nodded to, mm-hmm. uh, and that is Gregoire. Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors. Audrey Jr. from the 1986 <laughs> film Little Shop of Horrors. Based on the off-Broadway musical Little Shop of Horrors, mm. which is based on the 1960 film The Little Shop of Horrors, ah. that is thought to have been inspired by the 1956 short story The Reluctant Orchid, that was inspired <laughs> by the by the 1905 story The Flowering of the Strange or- Orchid. Oh, it's cool! I, I like the Reluctant Orchid. That's great. I like the, how re- it's reluctant. It's like, oh, no, I don't know about this. this is, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. I don't feel like blooming today. Especially because it looks like a, it looks like um, genitals. That's right. It's named after genitals. Mm, yeah. So, which much to our delight, when uh, my brothers and I were teenagers and we played the board game, the Game of Life, where mm. one of the cards is a goat eats your prize-winning orchids, Ooh. and this had us in hysterics <laughs> because we had just learned. <laughs> I imagine if there were avocados being eaten as oh, well by those goats. Oh my! Oh. Comedy, you guys must be the funniest kids on the, on the block. We were not. <laughs> so, what do we know about Audrey Jr., Grégoire? Rick Moranis, he wants to keep it alive because it comes from space, but he can't. And in the end, he realises it needs blood. It needs blood to, to, to live and to thrive. And mm. Stop being reluctant, but be very, 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 very active and um, and it eats Steve Martin. One of the funniest things. As a kid, when I saw Steve Martin as a dentist, that was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. An evil dentist who was like a rock and roll dentist who was a biker. Oh, my goodness. It was the best. Felt on brand for a dentist to be evil. Oh, I just, I know. I just, I, I think it was as a kid, you know, when you realize that people go, oh, Monty Python was big. And it was for me and, and things like that. You get these turning points in your comedy life. That I saw this movie and then went, oh my goodness, Steve Martin! I was just drawn to this character that lasted for like five minutes, and he was he was just he broke all, like he was like a he was an asshole motorcyclist, but he was also the dentist, but he also didn't care, and he was ah, oh, it's just love it. I love that character. So, drinks blood, <laughs> yes, eats That's, meat, 
I guess so, yes. It must, it, well, it definitely devours whole human beings, so yes. Devours whole human beings, so yes. it's meat, I guess. Would, yes, I guess. Would, would there. Yeah, it doesn't spit them out or anything like that, so yeah. Size of the plant? Starts off very small. Drip of, Starts off very small. Little drop of blood, but in the end it's big enough to put a, an entire human, maybe not below the knees, so an adult male fits in its mouth, but your legs are still kicking comically out the, out the side. So fast-growing and quite large. Yes, yeah. I'd say it's bell, if you want to call it the bell. The bulb would be one and a half metres long. Mm. I, I would guess that would be a, a decent guess of the size. And anything else special that this plant can do? Can it move? I, I, think, it can, I think it can throw out... It can, it can pull itself with its, with its roots. It can grab something and pull itself over. Or grab people as well. Because I don't think it lifts people up. Oh, yeah, that's how it eats. Yeah. It grabs people and lifts them into the air. I feel like you're missing an important thing that this plant can do that oh. a lot of other plants oh. can't do. It's very valuable on the tulip market, and it really made the Dutch look silly for a while. You, you were trying to make me say talk, I the guess. I am saying talk, <laughs> yes. And, he, and, and I, I, I haven't seen the film, but I assume do some musical numbers as well. Yes. You don't see the film. Oh, my goodness, Dan. Oh, it's a it's a blind spot in my. Uh, oh, it's it's a it's a great film. It's a it's, it's, it's my really, chance to be girl clumsy. I haven't <laughs> seen that film. <laughs> it's a it's a great film, but it's obviously a adaption of a of a play. Like it's obviously hmm. it's it's not a film in the way you think of a film. It's 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 a theater play that's been filmed. Yeah, like Hamilton. Yeah, not quite because they, they have they have shots like inside the mouth of the, of the dentist. Mm. patient and they, they do some tricks but really it's it still feels like a play mm. so like any film from the beginning of cinema up until around the late 60s i, I guess so yes yes it's look it wasn't as good as train comes at screen but it's it's not bad oh jesus that thing scariest <laughs> film i've ever seen <laughs> that look it was gonna hit us until it, thank god they switched off the screen and it couldn't come through okay so can plants get big yeah yeah like redwoods they're pretty big you seem very confident of that. Well, redwoods are big trees, Dan. They're the largest trees in the world. I would say that the largest tree in the world is a oh. somewhat complex question. Oh, goodness. Oh, here we go. Because obviously the tallest tree. Oh, God. I hate these. I watch these videos on YouTube. They go, well, actually, the largest plant is actually the sequoia. And it's my fedora hat. Yeah, it's and it's actually many trees that have been growing for a thousand years. Shut up, no one cares, nerd. I push him out a window. Well, I'm a nerd and I (laughs) care. And I'll tell you, the tallest tree record is a sequoia. Ah, see, I, said, I said sequoia. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Uh, yeah. And uh, the tallest one recorded is uh, 95 metres tall, which nice. is, for our American listeners, that's almost 96 metres. The one <laughs> with the biggest single stem is also a sequoia, mm-hmm. nine metres in diameter. Oof. Okay, yeah. And the one with the most mass is a sequoia. With 1,489 metres cubed, weighing thousands and thousands of tonnes. Right, yes. But if you're just looking at the size of an organism, these ones are dwarfed by the banyan tree. The banyan tree is a tree with interconnected stems and branches, and one individual has been recorded at spreading over 19,000 square metres you would have to walk for 846 metres to encircle it. Or, if you want to take a look at the aspen, this plant has a shared root system that you were alluding uh, to before. Uh, and each shoot above ground has identical DNA. Uh, 
It weighs over 6,500 tonne and covers 108 hectares or one square kilometre. God. Plants can get big. Can I just point out, Dan, that human beings share like 99.8% of DNA, but no one would say that all of human beings are one big unit. I just think this is all a bit... Rubbish. Aren't you constantly talking about how human twins are like a single entity? Oh, they're monstrous. That's a different thing. Yeah. Well, they're identical DNA, just with a flipped alignment. But it's just, they're still monsters. They're not human. It's a different thing. Well, neither are trees. Trees are monsters? <laughs> this one is. <laughs> Very confusing. In fact, both of the ones we're talking about at the moment, yes, Audrey D- Jr., I would say, is a monster. I think she's just misunderstood, Dan. I think you... <laughs> uh... So, at any rate, the upshot of this, plants can get big. They can. Yes. The largest seed is the coco de mer. It's a palm tree with a seed that weighs 18 kilos. Mm. And then the biggest leaf is another tricky question. For instance, the longest leaf is the Raffia regulus. It's 25 metres long, but it's made up of hundreds of leaflets. So if you wanted an undivided leaf, you're looking at an Amazonian palm. It's almost eight metres long, but a single leaf, which is very similar to Audrey Jr. Yes. The giant arum of Borneo is stated as having a surface area of 3.15 square metres. Right. So that's a freestanding leaf. But then there's also the giant Amazonian water lily, which is 4.6 metre square lily pad. Mm. Oh, yeah, they're big. We, yeah, that's, that's, Huge, but they yeah. sit on the water, so yeah, that's they don't really count. That's, like, that's why I call uh, whales the cheating animal of the sea. Like, oh, I'm so big. Yeah, yeah, you're floating in a medium that holds your mass. Get over yourself. Not like dinosaurs that had to walk on legs and like hang around and go, oh, my back. Get over yourself, whales. Would, would we find a... <laughs> Would we find it harder to stand up if there was no air? Would we find ourselves harder to stand up if there was no air? Uh, because, I mean, obviously, Air yes, pressure, you'd after explode. After 30 seconds. Yeah, you'd go... <laughs> <laughs> and then that would be very difficult. But if you, you, if you were to... Explode? If you were... No, well, you, yeah, you wouldn't... But <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have lots of blood rushing to this. The, um, all your capillaries would break and that sort of stuff. It would be very, very, very bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. You would no. You wouldn't just go pop. No, uh, but, no. The answer is you, no. You, people, people. You could walk in. You could walk in a vacuum. You, you we're not really very, supported in the medium bad, of air. You'd have a bad time. That's all. Yeah. There's there's no air resistance. So you maybe you could run just a little. Well, bit remember because we've we've had this mistake before when we talk about submarines. The difference between air pressure around us now and air pressure in space is one atmosphere. <laughs> it's not that much yeah. difference in pressure. So the pressure is not that, that not that different. It's just one atmosphere. So you're not going to suddenly go, blah, like, you know, but yeah. But if it was two atmospheres, how much harder would it like be to run through? Oh, I think, yeah, I think, well, it, it, the air starts getting thick. I don't know how thick it would have to get, but think about a bee. Bees fly because of the their interaction with the viscosity of the air because they're very small compared to the, the air molecules. Because they used to think the whole, bees, no one knows how bees fly, which is not true anymore. It, it's the interaction of air molecules are r- ridiculously large compared to a bee. <laughs> so they they it reacts differently. It's more of a to them. It's more of a viscous liquid, if you want to think of it that way, than compared for us. So I, I'm going to extrapolate out and say that the thicker you make the air, the more the, the harder it would be to push through because there's, there's literally more air there. It's there are more molecules pushing on you. That'd be my guess. Hmm. I'm not an aerologist, though. We should get back to these. these oh, these plants. ridiculous uppity plants. Sure, fine. 
Well, here's the second thing. Like, so we, we definitely have plants with leaves that are as big as Audrey Jr. Yes. Okay, yes. It doesn't need to be, like, enormous or span several n- neighbourhoods. Thank goodness. Uh, they're also fast-growing. Any idea what the fastest-growing plant is, Grégoire? I don't think it grew... I don't, I don't know what the fastest one is, but I know that even like even the lettuce I have outside grows remarkably. But pumpkins, you can time lapse a pumpkin over a day and watch it grow. So they, pumpkins, they, they can grow pretty quickly. They can. Let me introduce you to bamboo. <gasps> bamboo can grow nine hundred and ten millimeters, which is ninety-one centimeters or thirty-six inches within a twenty-four hour period. Good lord. That's insane. It grows at four centimeters per hour. What? That's one millimeter every ninety seconds. Oh my goodness. Now rhubarb grows so fast you can hear it crack creaking and cracking. I always but- hear I always mainly hear rhubarb when I go to the theatre. Uh, little little theatre joke there. That's a little one for the theatre the crowd. That's good. That's Thank you good. Much. You hear it growing in the back. All these people talking about it. People at the back of the stage going, yeah. rhubarb, 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 rhubarb. It's the whole thing. There's a wonderful crowd scene in an online series that I like called Red vs. Blue, and it's all the same character, has time travelled to the same spot, and they're all just sort of waffling to, to doing that. And, and, and apparently, I was listening to the director's commentary, and apparently one of those characters is, is sitting there going, why is everyone talking about bubblegum? <laughs> Which is another one of those bubblegum, bubblegum, bubblegum that makes you look like you're talking when you're not. But yes, rhubarb, does it grow quickly? Is it a fast-growing thing, rhubarb? Only under special circumstances. Oh, okay. Because it is quite a leafy plant, mm. generally, and we've had to breed it to be more stalky because the stalk is the bit that you want. Mm. So what you do, what they do is they stick it in a field for a couple of months or, or they give it light and then they stick it indoors in the dark and you just bring candlelight in there. So this is after two years. You put it into a forcing shed, you deprive it of light and all the energy it's stored goes into shooting up trying to find light again. Basically, so you Game of Thrones it. You're like... You, you, you put it in the dungeon and you go, shame, shame, shame. And you like, put a little candle up to it. And it you becomes it, more powerful. And it becomes much more powerful. And then you show it its dead daughter. Oh, no, its dying daughter. And then you go, oh. So spoilers for season eight. Sorry about that one. But, yeah, instead of growing lots of leaves now, it puts all that energy into the stalk, has this lovely big stalk that you want, and it grows so fast that if you're quiet, you can hear it creaking and cracking as it oh gets bigger. God. Oh, it's terrifying. I don't like that. Okay, but we don't want a plant that's fully formed and that its day-to-day growth is very fast, which is what the bamboo and the rhubarb does. You've Mm. got to wait for years. Mm -hmm. Audrey Jr. starts as a tiny bud and grows to full size very quickly. Its development cycle is rapid. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at the Wisconsin fast plant. (laughs) The Wisconsin fast plant is ready to (laughs) pollinate 15 days after being planted. (gasps) 25 days after that, it has new seeds, a full life cycle in 40 days. My goodness. This is the result of research by the University of Wisconsin. It was created as a research tool. Dr. Paul Williams took a brassica rapa plant and selected for quick development. After about 20 years of planting, growing and selecting, his breeding process has reduced a six-month life cycle to five weeks. Oh, great. (laughs) The, receipt, the research has been used to help increase disease resistance in mustard, radish, cabbage, broccoli, kohlrabi, and more. Then so we definitely want to use this for evil, Greg. Yes, absolutely. I like, I like the idea of just having a, a race of humans that only live for a very short period of time. And you can watch them. It'd be like dogs. You have a race of humans like dogs. You can keep them. 
Wait, hang on. I think I'm pushing for slavery. Wait, wait, wait. I take it all back. No, no, no. I'd, I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> it's more of a manifesto. Than it's more, a yeah, it's, it's more of it's more of a scientific endeavor with some interesting ethical conundrums. <laughs> oh, now, yeah, cool. Let's use it for evil. Let's go evil. Let's feed it meat then. Okay, thank God. I, I, I have a lot of meat I need to get rid of. I don't want to ask any. I have any questions asked about it? Thank you very much. Animals are dense in nutrition. Oh, are they? Woo! Carnivores know this. That's what I say. That's all I say about people. What do you think of that person? That person over there is dense in nutrition. Everyone just moves away quickly. "Mm." Now, some plants evolved to benefit from this as well. Do you know any carnivorous plants? Venus flytraps. Oh, that's the famous one, isn't it? That's that's the poster child of uh, sexy plants that eat humans. I mean people. I mean animals. Damn it. Well, let's start with the flypaper traps then. Okay. Insects are drawn in by colour and scent. They stick to the plant, Mm -hmm. and often the plant rolls over itself slowly to closer clutch the insect and draw it closer to its centre. The insect dies, and the nutrients drain to the roots of the plant. Some of these plants can't bring nitrogen up from the soil and rely on insects for their nitrogen. Mm-hmm. These plants have evolved five separate times that we know of. <laughs> There's a lot of animals. There's a lot of animals to start eating. Like, oh. I like the idea, evolutionary-wise, it's, it's, you have these plants going, oh, we're not doing terribly well. No, we're not doing terribly well. You're absolutely right. And then something dies near them, just happens to randomly die. And they're like, oh, thank goodness, we're okay. And it's the ones that could kind of make that happen again are the ones, kind of like triffids. You know what I mean? Like you could... <laughs> Not really how plants make decisions, but uh, how, how I, I you like the way you're uh, anthropomorphizing them. <laughs> it's the one that evolves to take advantage of the situation of an animal fertilizing the soil or fertilizing well, nearby. It's the, it's the one that has a mutation that yes. means that animals die closer to it. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. So whatever that little difference would have been made it slightly more chance of the animal dying on it or near it. And they're not a big animal, like an elephant. That would be weird, but also useful. I'm amazed it hasn't happened, actually. I'm amazed. Hmm. Hmm. Well, let's keep on going through. Because hmm. hmm. there, there are some surprisingly large animals being hmm. eaten by plants. But we need, we need something big yeah. for Audrey Jr. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. let's have a look at a closer look. Now, you mentioned the Venus flytrap. That has evolved from the flypaper traps. Right. It has two leaves that have an organic hinge. Mm-hmm. The cells grow to be under tension. They are convex. When the sensor hair is touched, an ion channel activates. The cells snap from convex to concave. You know those kids' toys that it's like a, a rubber disc mm-hmm. and you fold it inside out and you put it on the ground and, and you leaps. wait for a bit and it goes... Yep. Well, that's that's basically what's happening here. Oh. Uh, but instead of just the time, it's the, the ion charge that gets the so that it's all under tension and a tiniest little change to the ion channel and it flips inside out and it pops and the leaves close over the prey and grow together they then dissolve and ingest the creature what else we got we got the pitfall traps the pitcher are they the same as the pitcher plants so like that's the pitcher plants uh, yes yes, i think they're they're the most interesting ones for me they're just really strange yeah well this is a bucket Basically, it's an organic bucket with a slippery siding and a nectar bait. So the insects are attracted to the nectar. They slip, they fall into the bucket, and they can't get out, and they're digested by enzymes inside the pitcher. Oh, that's the the nutrients go straight into the plant. Oof. 
Big ones can trap small reptiles and even mammals. Goodness me. There is even footage on the internet of someone draining a big pitcher plant that a rat fell into. Ugh. He comments that it doesn't smell, the rat didn't rot, it was instead digested. <laughs> they have evolved half a dozen times that we know of. I know that there's plants that are quite poisonous and people see them as, well, if you eat them, then, you know, animals know not to eat them. But I wonder if, it, if there are any plants that have developed toxins so that you, like, if you're a big herbivore, you start eating all the fruits and veggies and that sort of stuff, and veggies, all the fruits nearby, and then you, you keel over and die. And therefore, you rot in the ground around the plant. And what if that's happened? But then, I mean, the evolutionary pressures would be on the creature to not yes, eat the poison. There'd be an arms race, but that's right. But there, that yeah, maybe that's why it doesn't happen. Maybe the, the animals learn to deal with it, or or they get wiped out. So yes, yeah, so I'm just. But yeah, I'm just wondering. It if would have to be a very specific one that didn't kill young ones, but did kill older ones, or only kill, only activated in certain. It'd have to be a very lucky. It only activated in certain numbers of elephants or whatever, whatever the herbivore is. It didn't kill every one of them. It might just make you feel. If it even made you feel sick, you wouldn't go back there, so you wouldn't do it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look. There are weirder things in the world. There are some pretty weird things, including bladder traps. Bladder traps. Similar to a Venus flytrap, they grow with their leaves to be under tension, but in their case, they grow a pocket inside them that has its fluid slowly pumped out, causing a low-pressure area. The filament is touched by a small aquatic animal, and the hinge pops, sucking the creature inside the plant and trapping it inside the plant. Oh, my goodness. Where it is digested. Oh, wow. This is an underwater pitcher plant, basically. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, it, it's more an underwater Venus flytrap because it, it snaps. It can detect it and snaps ah, and pulls them inside the trap. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it's sort of a, it's an, it's an active pitcher plant. Mm, oof. Ugh. We also have lobster pot traps. Mm -hmm. These plants work like a lobster trap. An animal can climb in, but tiny barbs prevent it from climbing back out. Uh-oh. Corkscrew plants have tiny trap leaves instead of roots. They are long coils like a, uh, like a birthday streamer that has been thrown and it's all spiralled. Mm -hmm. And the protozoa climb in, and as they wriggle, they move themselves up the coil to where the, their elements become nutrition for the plant. <laughs> so very, very tiny, though. Yes, yeah. And there are combination traps where two or more of these mechanisms are working in tandem. Mm. So there's no, there are no triffids, then, that fire a poisonous tongue out from a, from a bell and, and no. right across the no. eyes. Okay. No. Yeah, thank goodness. So far. So far. Who knows what's happening happening in the steppes of Russia? That's a, <laughs> That's a different crypto zoo. Okay, so some plants eat protozoa. Some eat little tiny bugs, mm -hmm. flies and insects. Some eat bigger insects. Some even eat frogs mm. and mice. Oof. But could any eat a human, Gregoire? I don't think any plant's big enough to hold us while we punch our way out. One <gasps> plant eats a sheep. What? The blackberry bush. It creates a patch of brambles. It is covered in thorns. Now, many plants with thorns grow their thorns straight out to protect their leaves. Mm. They just don't want you to bite them. But a bramble is instead covered in hooks. If a sheep gets close, the wool snags on the hooks. As the sheep struggles more, then more hooks grab its fleece. Oh. It can only go one way. Oh. Further into the brambles. Oh, my goodness. Brambles are evil. It, eventually, it will stop struggling and eventually succumb to thirst and die. 
It will be broken down by insects and bacteria and become fertiliser yeah, for the plants. This is what I wanted. It is a lobster trap on an enormous scale. This is what I wanted, Dan. This is what I wanted. There it is. That's that's a big animal. Fantastic. That's a big animal. Yes. And dumb, too. So well done. Well done, sheep. Just like humans. Just like humans. Mm. Long sheep. That's what they call us. <laughs> the goat without horns. Goats without horns. <laughs> okay, finally... Plants need to communicate. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not be able to communicate with speech, yep. but they can communicate with... In show tunes! In show tunes. That's what Audrey does. Yes, but no one around can hear them because that's how musicals work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy sure looks like plant food to me. That guy sure looks like plant food to me. That guy sure looks like plant food to me. If only we could know what it was thinking. <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. Maybe I'll get closer and see whether I can hear anything. <laughs> Okay, there is a wild tobacco plant that is sometimes attacked by caterpillars. The saliva of the caterpillar reacts with the plants and sends out a scent that attracts the natural predator of the caterpillar. Ooh. The plant is calling out for help mm-hmm, mm. and receiving it. Mm-hmm. Sagebrush can smell when other plants are being attacked and they then allocate more energy to their own defences. Because it takes energy to create defences, more bigger horns and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you can smell something go- is going on locally, you're like, oh, red alert. Yeah, time to do something. I, so I know big trees, not, some big trees can communicate not themselves, but through the mycelium network, through the mushrooms, basically, or the fungi, not mushrooms, but through the fungi in the ground. So the, oh, wow. fungi, the symbiotic relationships around the roots, fixing nitrogen and that sort of stuff for the tree, and then... The mycelium network, when something happens to the tree, it can send signals that basically the fungus is like, whoa, something's happening here. And then that sends, because the fungus is one big thing, basically. And so the next tree is like, oh, my goodness, my fungus is offset. And they can they can communicate that way. Quite, oh, wow, I hadn't, I hadn't read about that. Quite quickly, yeah. It's one of those weird, it's uh, symbio- symbiosis. Symbiosis. Yes. To the point where people are saying, without the mycelium, plants would not be successful. So the fungi are almost required for there to be trees and that sort of stuff. It's just one of those things. It's, we don't think about it, but it's in the soil all over the place. We just don't see them because they're microscopic. It's almost like everything's interconnected. That's right. And that if any sort of thing sort of stopped working, there'd be all sorts uh, of problems. Yeah, maybe. At least there's no danger of that happening. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, back to the motor plant. All right. Unlike humans, plants can work together. Uh, research <laughs> on sea rocket show that they will compete strongly against other plants. Mm. But if they're surrounded by their siblings, they will share resources working for the greater good. That's just like humans then. That's very human-like. As in, I can pick up my sisters, but you pick up my sisters and I'll flatten you. They single? No, they're married with many children. Many, many children. So many children. (laughs) It's actually very good because it means I don't have to breed because they've had enough children that technically my genetics is being passed on. Excellent. Yeah. Is there is there actually now more of you in them than there is in you? Uh, no, I think it's equal. I think, well, on average, I think it's equal at the moment. Yeah, there's enough. It's, I, I think last time I worked it out, I was like, yes, my genetic code is, has it's statistically been passed on now, which is good. That sounds that, that sounds like a horrible incest thing. It's not. It's just the way genetics work. Everyone stop. Get your no. mind out of the gutter, everyone. You're rude. <laughs> yeah, so a quarter of me is deep inside my grandma. <laughs> That's just science. That's just science, everyone. It's- not a YouTube clickbait title. <laughs> the YouTube? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's what you, wow. Okay, sure. It's all TikTok nowadays. <laughs> uh, nobody watches me on there. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> OnlyFans. Dan the man on OnlyFans. Uh, now I said that plants can't talk, but they can. But plants can listen. Ooh. Kind of. Ooh. Bees buzz at specific frequencies. When some plants are exposed to that frequency of sound, they produce and release more pollen. Hmm. Now you might say this isn't the plant listening; that this is just a mechanical response to a particular frequency. But I would counter that with saying that that's exactly how ears work. Yes. Yeah. Each hair in our ear resonates at to a particular frequency. Now, some research suggests that seedlings can hear water and choose to grow towards it rather than away. Mm-hmm. So far as I can see, the notion that plants grow faster when they hear music is very, very shaky. Yes. Yeah, that's I, <laughs> I, yeah. I do recall Mythbusters doing a sequence about it where their results were probably too confident. Yes. Are you talking about, like, I know it's not a plant, but it's, I know slime moulds. Slime moulds are technically a... Um, um, Vegetation? A fungi? No, they're a fungi. I'm pretty certain they're a fungi. Oh, well, this is completely different. Yes, I, I know that. A fungi's nothing like plants. No, no, I know that. I know that. It's a, whole, it's a separate kingdom. But what I'm trying to say is it doesn't have a brain at all. It's a whole lot of cells doing their thing. But it can actually go in certain directions and, and root around things and, and go to the Sounds nutrient. like Congress. That's... That, Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, we, we're doing it. We're, we're finally, we're getting uh, there. We're becoming, welcome to Smile for the Better. We're a political podcast. That sounds what, like Congress. It sounds like it. Well done, Dan. That was rooting that, around. That, that's right. No brain, but still no brain. Rerooting around, pulling in different directions. That's, yep. That, yep. They, that's, a good, no, no, that's a good joke. No, slime mold works together, though. Uh, and doesn't said pulling in different directions. And doesn't, and doesn't filibuster. I'm sure if you got enough of it, it could. <laughs> Just like the other slime mold going. We could go to the left to the water, but I'm going to talk about trains for 12 hours. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> anyway, yes, you don't, need to, you don't need a brain. It seems like you don't need a brain to make decisions. It's interesting. Just like Congress. No, no, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> Plants can also make noise, but do they make noise intentionally? Uh, <laughs> or do you have to torture it for an hour? <laughs> Well, I mean, you blow wind on it, and you can you can hear the rustling of the trees oh, or the clitter clatter of yes. various things. That's like saying you come over to my house and hit me with a bat, and I make a noise because my body goes <laughs> when you hit me with a bat. Yeah. That's not really me making a noise. Me making noise like ah, oh, you don't hit me with the bat, Dan. That's that's the noise I make. The wet but thud you, as you whack me in the head is not me making a noise. But if you were a tree mm. and you wanted animals to take your nuts. Mm-hmm. And you, your nuts evolved to be louder when they hit the ground. You, you would think that they would be easier for the animals to find and take. In theory, yeah, like you could make your nuts, the sound of your nuts dropping, be better than your rival plants. Yeah, I, I don't I, think I, I could. That's not like you making a noise, though. I don't well, think. it is the plant making a noise for its benefit. But I, I, but that doesn't. Ha- I didn't read anything about that. That's just a guess. Yeah. I, yeah, it's. I don't feel. I think the plant itself needs to make a noise. In my mind, say it's making a noise. It would have to be some sort of structure inside the plant, leading to a like you know, like a lung system or a bladder of some sort. Or well, why don't I introduce you to the maize plant? Ooh. Corn. Maize roots both listen for and make a noise. Oh my goodness! That some research suggests it's it's very high pitched. Mm. It's super super sonic. Super it's super. It's, it's great. It's great. Everyone loves um, it. So on yes, my planet, just not an S. It means I'm a plant with hope. 
Well, I'll plan at the bloody. I'll plan about plan at the bloody ass suit, man. Shut up. I saw a wonderful comic of Superman saying, "Oh, is it, yes, it's an S. It stands for Superman. Do you not have S's on your planet?" <laughs> It's a bit weird. It's one of those. It's one of those funny back explaining something. It doesn't need to be explained, especially because you go. His mum made the costume for him, so she made. But they can't say that his mum called him Superman. That's uncool. It's like his mum made that costume originally. Oh. So, yeah. Anyway, I liked it. That's my favourite bit out of that movie. The, it sounds. Like I mean, it was a low bar. Was, yeah, well, it's true. Is this before or after he was murdering everyone? Anyway. <sighs> And, and, and that may be the only time that you and I have gone to the cinema, just the two of us. Yeah. Is it? Oh, okay. So I'm so sorry for that. It's, obviously, I took it personally. <laughs> Dan's fault. Dan's fault. Dan made it bad. He and Zack Snyder got together and ruined my day. This wouldn't have happened in a Batman film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Meanwhile. <laughs> are, are those nipples that are fabricated on the front of the... Yeah, you were worried about an S? Those are nipples. <laughs> Don't you have nipples on your planet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Maze. Maze, Maze roots. Yes. yes. There is some research that suggests that they both listen to and make noise for each other. Mm-hmm. And chili plants have been proven to grow faster when they can hear that fennel is nearby. Ugh. So they benefit from having fennel around. And so they so if they know it's there, then they're like, well, let's go all they're out like, then. Fennel. And Fennel's like, yeah, Fennel, Fennel, Fennel. Pretty much, pretty much. Welcome back. It does have a a very New Orleans feel to it. (laughs) Like that idea of, welcome back to Fennel FM. We play nothing but Fennel love music for all the time. (laughs) You've anthropomorphized a lot of plants in the last 20 minutes. It's how I, as a vegetarian, it's how I enjoy eating them. It's, It's just making sure they had a life. And then taking it from them. Smart, smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to go the Renfield <laughs> school of vegetarianism. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point, Dan? What's the point? Why people eat animals to see the horror on their face? Delicious horror face. <laughs> oh, yum. So we need a leaf size of the Amazonian palm. Mm-hmm. We need the mechanism of the Venus flytrap yes. and the bramble bush mm. to bring prey in and snap shut on it. Right, yeah, okay. We need the metabolism of the Wisconsin fast plant. And the ability of the maize plant to both speak and listen. <laughs> we graft them all together. Fantastic. I've never grafted anything, but I assume that grafting similar plants together, like types of citrus, is in no way any different to grafting entirely different <laughs> species of plants together. It's just like stitching. It works for Frankenstein. It's just like stitching. Imagine if Frankenstein's monster had a dog attached to it. Just bits of different animals. Yeah, it'd be fine. Flamingo head yeah, coming off on the shoulder. It'd be fine. Fine. He's alive! He's alive! Oh, his shoulder died. <laughs> That's right. Its shoulder's licking my face! I like your good shoulder. Who's a good shoulder? <laughs> when you're a young person, you can eat what you like. Oh, I remember the days. <laughs> you can eat what you like, and you go out into the world, and it was like, oh my goodness, I drank all the beer, and I ate all the cake, and I had an amazing time, and I don't put on any weight because I'm young, and then, and then, you get a bit older and you go, oh, I can't eat that. I can't even eat that pie anymore because because I just put on a pie-shaped fat roll every time I do it. That's that's how it seems to work, yes? Oh, I don't like, I don't like, I no, no, I hate, I hate having to face the truth. 
So it's, well, it's what we think, isn't it? It's the idea of metabolism changes with age. That's what we yes. kind of think about the metabolism. Young people have this fiery metabolism, like, wah, yeah. And then all- I used to be so skinny, Gregoire. That's true. So skinny. And my, and people would be like, and I'd eat so much. And people were like, uh, just look at your dad. You wait until your metabolism changes. You wait until you're, you, you, you wait until you're 30. And I got to 30 and I was still stick thin. And they're like, ah, oh, you wait until you, you wait until you're 35 and 35. I'm like, oh, I'm stick thin. It's like, wait, why, why, like his father used to be that skinny. And then he got really fat. He's like, yeah, I don't drink two bottles of homebrew every single night. And you've kind of hit it on the head here. So let's, let's, let's go right. You're like the working, a walking lab for this whole report. Well, let, let me tell you what happened once I learned how to do homebrew, Greg. <laughs> I put on a lot of weight. Yes, and there it is. So we think the idea that, that young people have all this high metabolism and then it all goes away. Now, it turns out that your metabolism as a baby is unbelievably high, 50% higher than an adult. So your cells... Well, you've got to, you've got to make more of you. Well, it's, but even every cell is burning hotter as well, and you're making more and more cells quickly. Wow. But each cell is going crazy. It's not just that you're growing and having more cells. It's your cells are... And we don't know why. It's interesting. They don't, they don't know why, but there's a mechanism that makes your cells burn 50% faster. Not burn, burn you know, use energy expenditure 50% faster. Well, we'll call it burning from here on in. And then... It starts to slow down as you get older. So you lose about 3% per year until you hit 20 years old, roughly. So, so you're slowing down. Even from the moment if you're a baby, you're starting to slow down. Sorry, everyone. About the same age that you stop growing tall. Yes. There's, and there's no burst. Uh, there's no spurt at puberty at all. You are slowing. So basically... Oh, not in my experience. No, you, so it's heaps of spurting at puberty. <laughs> it's all spurting. Ew. So your metabolism is very, very, very high as a baby, and then it starts to drop down, and it drops down, and it drops down until you get to 20. But there is, it doesn't pick up again over puberty. It doesn't happen. You're just dropping down. It's still fast, but it's slowing down until you hit roughly 20. And then that's about it. It stays the same. So it just keeps, keeps going. It just, it, and so hit, you hit 20, and it just keeps churning along. And so at 20, you're at your, 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 your base rate at that point, what you're going to be for the rest of your life, which is different for different people, but within a range, but it's different. And then you just do it through your 20s, and then your 30s, and then your 40s, and then your 50s. And finally, at your 60s, yep. your body goes, all right, time to wind this up. And it starts to <laughs> we had a good run, and now it's now we're finished. It slows down by about 0.7 percent per year until they die. <laughs> so a 90 year old needs until to- they die, I notice, not, well, not until we die, but from <laughs> Gregoire, until they until you people die until well, yes, well, you know, my thing is I'm yeah, I, I intend to live forever, yeah, and lord it over you on the cinder of this planet when it's finally absorbed by the sun. That's my plan. I hope that's really. I hope that's really uh, satisfying to you. I don't, look, it, it's it's it's. And that's be. I can just imagine Gregoire standing on a burnt, cindered planet, hiding behind a rock, going, "Damn you, son! Damn you!" As it like envelops the planet. Oh, that uh, visual image comes to mind almost unbidden, actually. 
It's yeah, very easy very to see. Easy to imagine. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Ah, oh, I, I think that'll kill me. That, that's the important part. Is at that point I may have evolved the point. I'll just be like ah, inside the inside the the, the very hot but uh, gaseous remnant of the of the red uh, hot sun as it blasts away the planet. I'm like ah, burst. Ah, why did I grab again, that monkey I, paw? I, I hope you find that very satisfying. Oh, I will. And then I'll be in orbit around the white dwarf, watching it slowly cool over trillions of years, going. I wish I'd I wish I'd bought Connect Four or something with me. I should have packed. It's a two-person game. Ah, damn it! <laughs> remembering it's a Twilight Zone episode. Remembering, remembering. Finally, all the time in the universe <laughs> to play Connect Four with. Oh no! With, oh no! With a white dwarf, which doesn't like you. Anyway, the point of this is a ninety-year-old has needs about twenty-six percent fewer calories per day than someone who's middle-aged. Uh, and not because of mu- less muscle mass, because their cells are actually slowing down. So, as you made a comment before, Dan, if you have finding that actually it's middle age spread and you're getting a bit bit bigger in the tummy and you're getting a bit jowly around the jowly areas, unfortunately, science once again ruining everything, humans, means it's not your metabolism that's at fault. It, you're probably eating too much and exercising too little. Sorry about that. I have a hypothesis. Excellent. Because as I understand it, the only real weight loss techniques that work mm. are like uh, sucking the fat out, liposuction. Right. Because what I understand is that your fat cells, when you get fat, your fat cells fill up. And then when you're out of space, you add extra fat cells. Mm-hmm. But then when you shrink back down, all your fat cells shrink down, but you don't get less, you don't get fewer fat cells. I've heard that as well. I think they do slowly go away, but it takes a long time, I think. But now we're very much into things I've heard. Yeah, yeah. They definitely mm. don't mm. You, you take this with so much salt. Yeah, no, not, and, a, no, not a salt, not too much salt because it make your arteries harden. Well, you could probably dilute it with, a, you know, some stuff to put the salt on, like some steak oh, and some chips. Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So, have the, have, mm. so yeah, take this all with some salt and some chips. Oh. And some, mm. Yeah, that's right. And then mm. blame your metabolism. There have been claims made about pyramid power for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. They claim that razors in a pyramid stay sharp, mm. that food and flowers inside a pyramid shape don't rot, mm. that you can sit inside a pyramid and be healthier and happier. <laughs> Gregoire, does sitting inside a pyramid make you healthier? Well, it means that people will come and steal all your stuff. What if the pyramid's in your house? No, no, no. It's just a, no, it's, no scientific evidence. No, no, there's no, no scientific no, evidence. No. We've talked about this on the podcast no, before. No. We get very angry yeah. about these. In, the, in our youth, Dan, we got very angry about this on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about vegetation? Does vegetation rot slower inside a pyramid? I'd say no. No scientific evidence. No, no, no. 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 no, no, no. Do razor blades stay sharper when kept inside a pyramid? No. It depends. No. No. Depends on there what. There was a device mm. in the 1970s mm. that was a little plastic pyramid. Mm-hmm. You would shave and then you would put the razor blade into the pyramid. After three days, you would use that blade again. Your blade would last longer than simply <laughs> using it every single day. Right. Now, this would mean, of course, that if you wanted to shave every day, you'd be rotating blades. You'd have three blades on mm-hmm. the go at any one time. Okay. Your three blades would last longer than three blades used in a row. <gasps> now, one reason that blades get dull is because of chemical wear. Rust. Sorry, ke- sorry, sorry. chemical wear? Chemical wear. No, yeah, chemical wear? There. Where? 
there where the chemicals wears. So the chemicals wear where the chemicals wear. Yes. Ah, okay, thank you. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay. So, if a blade remains moist, it rusts faster mm. than if it is allowed to dry properly each time. That happens to me, and by the so, way. I rust faster when I'm moist. That explains the what I thought was a spray tan. <laughs> I'm very excited right now. <laughs> so, these people were putting their razor blades into the little plastic pyramid, and, it was, and they were alternating blades and letting the blades dry out properly, mm. and that was allowing oh. the razors to last So, longer. it's not the shape that matters. It could, it could have been a little sphere, or it could have been a cylinder. It could have been any shape. It was the fact that they were maintaining their to equipment properly. Out. Yeah. Uh. That's why I said it depends. Pyramid power! <laughs> I like the idea that if that was true, then when they broke into the pyramids, everyone would just got cut to death. <laughs> yeah, ah! like, oh, these, ah! yeah these, ah! these sharp traps have been, uh, uh, haven't been maintained in 2,000 yes. years. Sh- Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> A penitent man must kneel! Shh! <laughs> the blade comes spinning over the head. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the audience, tells us what we've done wrong and we admit to it on the podcast. Sometimes we argue about it quite a lot, but we, we normally walk this walk if we have to. But Dan and I have been so amazingly perfect for quite a few podcasts. Not one Walk of Shame was sent to Dan. Not, not nothing. Or to Greg. Nothing. Nothing. Not a sausage. So uh, I didn't even find one that Greg did. I'm going. <laughs> that's amazing. So I we're just going to sit here on our big unshameful butts and get sassy and fat. But by God, we must have made a mistake somewhere. So please send them in when you find them. Good lord, especially Dan talking about pyramids and razor blades and bloody plants and God knows what else today. In fact, I know. Ooh, ooh, I know I've made a mistake already in one of the ones, my stories. I know I've made an error and I didn't correct it. I was like, I'll just leave that in there. There you go. See if you can find it. Oh, that feels like cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, see if you can find it. You have been listening to Dan <laughs> at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to the website. Clicky on the buttonsies. Indeed. Respond. Respond. Don't, don't just, just sit there content. and be a, a don't, leech. Don't just, don't just, don't just take from us. Give and, back. <laughs> and at the moment, I think we prefer Twitter. Yeah, we're, we're, tw- we're Twitter thing. guys. Oh, Instagram. Yeah. Instagram's pretty good as well. I like Instagram. I don't get <laughs> Twitter. And even Twitter, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> don't, don't, don't align yourself with the corporation is what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. But so, so, if you do want to align yourself with anyone, you should align yourself with us, just like the people who have paid to become Comedy Blimp members. Is that right? Is that what we call them? Comedy Blimp crew. Comedy Who have become Comedy Blimp crew, and we are calling them out and thanking them on the podcast. They are A.V. Greenbury, Elizabeth Yunkin, Christopher Revel. Revel? One of them is correct. Matt Ewers, <laughs> Ivan, it's Revel. It's Revel. It's the second there's one. A, there there you go. Ho- there's, a, there's a walk of shame for you, everyone. Look at that. Woo. Phil Holland, Granny Maguire, Ilana Mitchell, Andrew Potts, Lindsay Jenkinson, Matthew Toy, Andrew Whitehurst, and Britta Rogowski. Notice anyone missing there, Greg? Oh, no. We've, we've lost people. Notice anyone missing there? We've, we've lost someone. 
Steve E, oh. a.k.a. Steve Eichenhout, oh. a.k.a. Tuck Frump, a.k.a. a dozen other things that he's tricked me into reading <laughs> by changing his name on the Patreon site. He's gone. Oh. A good riddance oh. to him. Manipulative piece of junk. That's pretty harsh. Now that he's not paying, I can finally whinge about oh. him. I feel enlightened. I feel joy. This day, as I insult the people on the top tier who have paid good money to be insulted, I feel a sense of sweet relief, Gregoire. So, Mikhail Kidder, you are easily the second most ugly and unappealing person in the world, second only to Steve (laughs) Eichenhout. Steve Stewart... Your surname is the second dumbest surname anyone has ever had, and your first name is the dumbest. Tom Siri, you are the second least funny person on the planet. You are only slightly more funny than one other person. <laughs> I'll let you guess who that is. <laughs> Sean Seifkin, your genitals are so distorted and grotesque they look like... What? They look like they should be hosting an editorial segment on Fox News. <laughs> they are the second least appealing genitals to Steve Eichenhouse. <laughs> and uh, finally, we're happy to welcome a new addition to the top tier. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Someone who calls themselves the official Steve of the podcast. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. No, oh. no, 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 wait, no, wait, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not having patron wars. I don't think our patrons infighting. That will just result in them schisming yeah. themselves off into factions. It is hard enough to keep track of you all as it is. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of which, the top tier patrons who do not wish to be insulted... Uh, Al Batson, who is smarter than Steve Eichenhout. Michael Barnes, who is cooler than Steve Eichenhout. Morden O'Hare, who is more charming than Steve Eichenhout. Scott Driscoll, who is prettier than Steve Eichenhout. And Eric Wilson, who is far, far less Steve Eichenhout than Steve Eichenhout. Thank you to all of our patrons. You are blessed and loved. All right, well, it's time for my week in science, Greg Oh, Wild. yeah, that's right. You had a rant. Oh, I'm excited with... Oh, rant, 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 rant. Why is it at the end, Dan? My why are you going to... Why do you have to wait? Why do we, what are we waiting for? What, 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 what's going on? My week in science. I've had a fucking week, Greg <laughs> had a week. I am kind of getting sick of people not listening to science. Mm. Amazing people studied the COVID virus immediately after it was discovered. They did something astounding. They created several vaccines more effectively than has ever been done in the history of humankind. It became available in late 2020. This is a modern day miracle. This may as well be Star Trek for how incredible this is. (laughs) Less than a year. Mm. And I keep seeing people who don't Trust the science. They list off Facebook conspiracies and they sound so stupid. Why don't they listen to the science? I'll tell you, Greg, why why they don't listen to the science. Yep. Now that I've been doing this show for a decade, my poor, tortured mind is full of all the sensible behaviours that science dictates. And I know it makes me a hypocrite if I were to know what science suggests, but to ignore it. 
I almost never eat beef anymore because I know what it does to the planet. Mm -hmm. I separate my soft plastics from my hard plastics and drop them at the supermarket. I gave up drinking alcohol, Gregoire. I eat plenty of leafy greens. I get at least three hours of exercise a week. I use an electric mower instead of a fuel mower because of how much better they are for the environment, even though this means carrying that f***ing lead over my head <laughs> so I don't run it over with the mower. Mm. I walk to the shops instead of driving to use less fuel. I eat some smaller portions. I don't eat octopus. I take shorter showers. I moisturise. I pick up other people's litter. I select the more expensive fish and chicken because it's better for the environment. I don't use the R word, even though I really love the R word. And if you think loving the R word makes me a bad person, I'd suggest giving up something that you don't care about doesn't make you better. It just makes it easier. As soon as I have something presented to me by science, I have to add it to my knowledge. I try to live an ethical life, and the more I know, the harder that becomes. I'm sick of knowing things, Gregoire. I wish I was stupid. I feel like Homer Simpson after getting that crayon removed from his brain. <laughs> now, look, there have been a couple of things that I've learned that have made my life demonstratively better. My vegetarian tacos taste way better than the kangaroo mince ones and the beef ones before that. Mm -hmm. Also, the research behind the squatty potty has made pooping my favourite daily activity. <laughs> but of course, I can't use my phone in there because science! Overall, believing scientists has just brought complexity to my life. I think I'd like to listen to someone else. I think I'd like to listen to the Jehovah's Witness. That way... I don't have to have someone jam a huge needle into my arm every two months because the Jehovah's Witness say that donating blood keeps you from an eternity of bliss rather than, you know, saving babies' lives. <laughs> I mean, screw the big needle. I won't even get the tiny needle that provides incredible protection against the COVID-19 virus. Mm. I'll just believe someone who tells me that it's a con and that I don't have to get the scary needle that I don't want to have because I'm a massive coward. <laughs> I think I'll listen to the cryptocurrency boffins, use my knowledge of maths and computers to make my life better with no repercussions, asterisk, except that the money comes from other poorer people and the environment suffers. I'll just ignore that stuff. That's my God-given right as a cis white man. I'm in a delight in every moment of schadenfreude. I'm going to jump on Facebook and help quash other people's voices. I'm going to skip my local shops and get a better deal in bulk from my multinational conglomerates. Why can't I just listen to whoever says the things that I want to hear, Greg? The scientists, they're just dudes. They're just as human as the priests and the pastors. They're just as prone to biased thinking as the politicians and the mommy bloggers and the New Age medicine men. What makes scientists any more truthful compared to the rest <laughs> of this planet full of selfish, biased, stupid, greedy, stupid apes? <sighs> Except for, I guess, the scientific method. Yeah, that's it. The, sci the scientific method specifically calls out that humans are biased mm -hmm. and selfish and easy to trick. Mm -hmm. It's the only activity that humans have that's built on those foundations. The scientific method tells a flawed and greedy human, hey, it's not only okay to be wrong, it's a great success to be wrong. Because the truth, the real truth, even the truth that you don't want to hear, that makes you right. And it makes you more right than any other people. And if there's one thing I wish I hadn't learned on this podcast, it's this. Because once you learn that, you can't ignore the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But on the plus side, 
at least I can force all of our listeners to know this too. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I have a date with a crayon. <laughs> and as we always like to say... Moist razor blades! I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Twitch, but occasionally I get on to support someone who's got nothing going on and go, oh, I'll jump in and spur conversation. It's that desire to help help another performer yeah. that I don't get from Impro anymore. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to ask this person a really good question and it's going to spur them on for a couple of minutes of content. And, it do, and I'm like, oh, I'm a little puppet master. I don't do don't do that level. They're, they're there to, to, to keep me interested, not the other way around. <laughs> they're going to pay for that. They have to pay for that. <laughs> Thanks for the reverse sub. That's right. It's basically Grand Theft Auto, but you control computers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watchdogs. Watchdogs. Watchdogs Legion. That's the, yeah, the new one. He's a British guy, and he's a very effervescent British guy. And he was super excited that it was set in London. And as a Londoner, he was just like, oh, my God. And so he kind of did this. And he drove around in the game and went, oh, my God, that's that's actually where that is. And that's okay, it's, not, it's all compressed. But he went, yeah, if you go from here and you head east, that's where you'll end up. You'll end up at Camden. Oh, my God, I'm in Camden. And he said he could, and he could, he was such a, so excited. I found that really interesting to watch. His just excitement at the game and, and the way the game had sort of portrayed his city. <laughs> I remember when we went to San Francisco and I was walking around and suddenly I'm like, I've been here before. <laughs> I've skateboarded here before. <laughs> Wait, I've never been here before and I can't skateboard. <laughs> And I'd been playing far too much Tony Hawk. Yeah. About 80% of my geographic knowledge of New York comes from the uh, video game Manhunter New York. Yeah. <laughs> Where you were murdering people? I was capturing people who were rebelling against the aliens. Oh, okay. Good. That game, would that game fly now in this in that, the current political climate? Well, uh, that's the that's the thing is the more you learn about them, the more you side with the rebels. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah, sure. That's, but yeah. yeah, this alien invasion turns up, and then two years later, you're like one of the man hunters. Nice. And they they this giant eyeball comes in and goes, "Here is your assignment. <laughs> Do it or we'll kill you." I'm pretty certain you could if aliens turned up and took over, they'd just be like, "Yep, yeah, this is better." And people would be like, "This is better." Not all people, but some people would be. This is mm. much better. I go. Forty nine percent of people would be against it. <laughs> yeah. Give them all the guns and the resources. Be fine. Be fine. How would you guys like some guns that are slightly better than your current yeah, yeah. guns? Yeah, look, they, Wait, sorry, what? Yeah. You do have to sell out your species. Oh, f*** those guys. Yeah, you right. need some guns. How good are they? Slightly good. <laughs> Could they kill you? No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. That would, that would defeat the purpose of what we're planning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like the idea they hand you this space lasery looking thing, and then you're like, "What's this? It says limiter." Oh, ignore the limiter. It's not a limiter. I don't know why we wrote that on there. Sorry. What t- why does this gun have a four written on it? But the thing that you're wearing has a five. <laughs> An hour and a quarter in, two of us have died at the hands of suddenly a hundred new giant creatures that are on the board. <laughs> I don't understand why I keep catching fire. <laughs> My my ghost caught fire. Right. My ghost caught fire. That's, a, that's impressive. <laughs> and I've got some insults. No walk of shame. No, I've got no walk of shames either. 
We are perfect. That's right. And people, well, people aren't really writing in at the moment, so. Because we're perfect. Obviously, so. They can't find flaws. That's true. Or maybe I was just so harsh on that guy who got the maths wrong for uh, <laughs> how far the moon went away that people were like, oh, I'm not touching That's that. Right. Yep. Be careful. I, we didn't realise there were repercussions for us. <laughs> As a child, I walked on four legs. As a man, I walked on two legs. As a... No, wait. I screwed that up. <laughs> Sorry. I stuffed that up. Sorry. Sorry. This riddle is hard. It's I, really I, hard. I cannot work this <laughs> one out. I totally stopped that up. Okay. Uh, take two. Take two. Here we go. <laughs> In the morning, I walked. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, an idiot. I like the fact that Gollum's like, it's obviously a man, you idiot. He's like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> Lord of the Rings is ruined. Oh.